0: Today's message is the revelation of the word. This is week number, night number three of our week of prayer. And for those who are watching online, we welcome you to the Portland Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church week of prayer, fall week of prayer. Can we call it that? Fall week of prayer. And if you want to hear more messages like this, you can go to MiddletownPortlandSDA.org. And I also have my own personal YouTube channel called Path of Prophecy. I just put out a video today, brief little testimony, brief little testimony, a little over a minute long, uh, no, 37 seconds long, I think, so it won't take you that long, but uh, it'll get you some views or get me some views. So anyways, but let's begin with a word of prayer as we prepare to open the Word of God. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you that we have your word as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It's my prayer that the grace and the power of your Holy Spirit would be here with us tonight. Uh, Lord, this is night number three of this week of prayer and uh, we're seeking revival, we're seeking to be drawn closer to your word, to know more about Jesus. And it's my prayer that as your word is open that our hearts would be open to you, that we would be able to hear what the Spirit says to this church because we are the church and um, you are the head of the church and so i pray that you would speak to us through your word anoint these lips and may the good news be revealed in jesus name we pray amen wall street journal article by scott patterson talks about a new breed of supercomputer a new breed of supercomputer what do you mean a new breed Well, that means the old breed is outdated. This supercomputer aims for the two quintillion mark. That's two billion billion operations a second. Yes, Wow is right. That's enough to explore the brain and discover drugs. And if you look over here, you see these red and blue coils here. You know what that is? That's a radiator. That is water that's being pumped through those so that they can prevent the uh, the uh, things, the computer, from overheating, okay? And it, it just takes up volumes of space, space, buildings, many buildings. Listen to the article. It starts off, uh, article by Scott Patterson, inside a vast data center on the outskirts of Chicago, the most powerful supercomputer in the world is coming to life. The machine will be able to analyze connections inside the brain, and help design batteries that charge faster and longer. The name, Aurora. The supercomputer's high performance capabilities will be matched with the latest advances in artificial intelligence. Together, they will be used by scientists who are researching cancer, nuclear fusion, vaccines, climate change, encryption, cosmology, and other complex sciences and technologies. Housed at the Energy Department's Argonne National Laboratory, Aurora is among a new breed of machines known as exascale supercomputers. In a single second, an exascale computer can perform one quintillion operations. I can't even count that high. I can't even comprehend that. One quintillion operations, that means a billion billion or a one followed by, get this, 18 zeros. Well, Better for Aurora to do those calculations than me, huh? Aurora, listen to how big Aurora is. It's the size of two tennis courts. It weighs 600 tons and is expected to be the world's first supercomputer capable of two quintillion operations a second at peak performance scientists at Argonne said. Now the purpose of building this supercomputer is to find answers to our questions about science and nature and, and uh, all these kinds of issues. But here's a question I have for us tonight. Where do we go to find answers about God? Where do we go to find answers about God? I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles To our scripture reading for tonight's presentation, John chapter 1, verse 14, listen to this. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, folks, this text helps us to answer that question if we're willing to understand But I want you to notice something else. We're going to go to another passage of Scripture. And I want you to notice what the reaction was when the Word became flesh. Okay? You see, the Word became flesh for a very specific purpose. And it's important for us to understand why the Word became flesh. But notice what happens when the Word became flesh. Notice how... The world and others reacted. Bible says, John chapter 1, verse 10 and 11, He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. Listen to this. The human reaction to the Word was that the world did not know Him. The text goes on to say in verse 11 that even His own people who were entrusted with the Word so that when the Word was revealed that they would declare to the world, the Word has become flesh, the Word has become flesh, but when He came even to His own people, The Bible tells us that his own people did not even receive him. Well, the natural question is why? Why is that? Why would they not receive him? Well, I believe that answer can be found in the following story. Found in the Gospel of John also. John chapter 3. Beginning in verse 1, here's what it says, verses 1 and 2. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Now, it's very interesting how Nicodemus addresses Jesus at this point. He addresses him as teacher. He doesn't acknowledge him as a prophet. He certainly doesn't see him as the Son of God. But he addresses him in a respectful tone Teacher, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And what are these signs? Well, if we go just on the Gospel of John alone, up to this point, we know that his very first miracle was at the wedding feast at Cana, here where he changed water into wine. But then what also followed after that was where Jesus cleansed the temple for the first time. Because there was two of them. There was one at the end of his ministry one at the beginning of his ministry. And it was that incident that arrested the attention of the religious leaders. And so Nicodemus, the leader of the religious leaders, came to him, not in broad daylight, but under the cloak of nightfall. He said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher that has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Now, Perhaps it was meant as flattery. Perhaps it was meant to uh, just kind of pump Jesus up. But Jesus didn't buy what Nicodemus was trying to sell. And he responded to him with these words. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus responded in shock. How can a man be born when he's old? Is it possible that he enters the womb a second time to be born? Well, Jesus pressed further. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the womb the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And at that moment, Jesus was making the distinction that there is the physical world and there is the spiritual world. And although we don't think like the Greeks, and neither did the Jews, the point Jesus was trying to make is that, yes, you can be born into this world, but to enter the kingdom of God You need to be born again, a second time. And that can only happen with the Spirit of God. Jesus went on further to elaborate. He said, Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Basically, Jesus was what he was doing was giving an illustration in this point, which one of us can see the wind? Well, we can't see the wind. The wind is invisible, but we can feel the effects of the wind. And we can see the effects of the wind. And so, with everyone who is born of the Spirit, we don't know how somebody changes but we can see the evidence of their change. In fact, on my YouTube channel, that was the video that I posted up based on Proverbs chapter 13, excuse me, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, and I just gave a brief 37-second little testimony, but uh, essentially it's that, that when I encountered the Word of God, it made all the difference in the world in my life. Okay? Once I embraced, once I saw the wisdom in the Word of God and I Uh, embraced that wisdom my life was changed forever never the same well Nicodemus still did not answer uh, understand what Jesus was driving at and so he responded Nicodemus answered and said to him how can these things be Jesus answered and said to him are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things The story goes on, but I'm going to stop right here. You see, the problem with Israel not receiving Jesus as the Messiah was that the primary teacher in all of Israel, Nicodemus, was largely ignorant of one of the most sublime spiritual truths. And that is this. The purpose of religion is to proclaim the regenerating power of God the purpose of true religion is to proclaim the regenerating power of God, okay? But Israel had failed in this. Here was the teacher of all Israel, and he didn't understand this most fundamental concept of how somebody could enter the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God was described in the book of Daniel. The kingdom of God was talked about in the book of Isaiah. This was Old Testament prophecy at its best, but yet the greatest, the great teacher Nicodemus in Israel failed to even understand how to gain access to this kingdom. Now here's the question. What created this problem? This is a serious problem because If the world is trying to find out about God and God appointed Israel to teach the world about God and Israel's teacher at that time, the greatest teacher at that time, did not even understand this, then how is the world going to hear about this good news about God's kingdom? So the question is, what created this problem? Well, again, the Gospel of John, John chapter 5, verses 38, 39... Jesus said this to the Pharisees, but you do not have his word abiding in you because whom he sent, him you do not believe. You search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life and these are they which testify about me. Folks, this book is about Jesus. It's about Jesus. The focus of this book is about Jesus. And here's one of the problems that's going on right now in this world. There is a war that's taking place in the Middle East right now between Israel and Hamas, and it's a very serious one. But here's what's taking place. Many evangelical Christians in particular are drawing attention to that because they're saying a prophecy is about to be fulfilled. Prophecy is not about the people of God. It's about the Son of God. Scripture points to Jesus, not a piece of real estate in the Middle East. Steps to Christ, page 88. 88 echoes this idea jesus said of the old testament scriptures and how much more is it true of the new they are they which testify of me the redeemer him in whom our hopes of eternal life are centered yes the whole bible tells of christ from the first record of creation for without him was not anything made that was made to the closing promise behold i come quickly we are reading of his works and listening To his voice. If you would become acquainted with the Savior, study the scriptures. quote goes on. Fill the whole heart with the words of God. They are the living water quenching your burning thirst. They are the living bread from heaven, Jesus declares. Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. He explains himself by saying, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Our bodies are built up from what we eat and drink. And as in the natural economy, so in the spiritual economy. It is what we meditate upon that will give tone and strength to our spiritual nature. I'm going to close with this text, which was our scripture reading for this evening, or the text for this evening. John chapter 1, verse 14 And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So why did the Word become flesh? So that we could behold the glory of God. Men and women are using computers to find answers to life's problems. The greatest problem to be solved is how to come back to God. And Jesus came to tell us and to show us. Let's sing our closing hymn. Oh, excuse me. We're going to turn to our prayer time now. Excuse me. Our prayer time. And uh, we want to, of course, focus on praying for the growth, our own personal growth. And that was the kind of the topic of the evening, how we can grow in Christ. But the other things are... Praying for workers for the harvest. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. We'll be starting our ESL class tomorrow. We need to pray for that. Pray for Pastor Tom. He's got to teach that. We'll figure that out. Don't worry about that. We'll see how that goes. And uh, just pray for that fresh outpouring of God's Spirit. Amen? You need God's Spirit. So. And then, of course, our other requests that we have. But Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you once again that we've been able to fellowship in the presence of your word. It's my prayer that your spirit would bless us as we depart from here and that our audience online would be blessed as well uh, for all those who gather to hear these messages and those who will hear them in the future by playing them, recording them, whatever, and sending them on to friends, family. It's my prayer that they would be encouraged and their faith would be strengthened. We ask this in the wonderful name of Jesus, amen.